Hi, and welcome to Women Travel, a podcast where I interview women about the places they've been to and the things they've done. My name is Morgan, and with me today is Katie. Hi. I honestly don't know your last name. That's (laughs) fine. And Katie, uh, you are a travel blogger, advice giver, and have gone out of the country uh, for as long as 14 months. I presume there are other trips. Is that you yes, cover that's it? that's totally it. That's right. Is there anything else that you want to add to your resume there? So right now I'm actually a um, marketing freelancer also. So I have the travel blog and then I do the marketing freelancing mainly. Other than that, you pretty much nailed it. So first of all, I want to talk about the aspiration of being a full-time travel blogger. Did that start with the trip out of the country or did that, was it before then that you wanted to achieve that. Yeah, so I'm not a full-time travel blogger actually yet. That's my goal. I would the love aspiration. That. Yes, yes. <laughs> aspiration. Um I actually started I think when I went to Ghana in college, University of Idaho. I got a chance to go to Ghana for a service trip and that's where my travel bug started. I had the opportunity to go to, I think it was Peru or Ghana, and I was kind of afraid. Like, I'm from Idaho. I hadn't traveled a ton yet when I was in college, so I was like, really? I'm going to go to Africa. That's, like, kind of freaky. So I chose Peru, and then they put me with Africa. And all the people that chose Peru, they actually said, nope, you're going to Ghana. (laughs) And it was probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it opened my eyes. And, oh, my gosh, I fell in love with that country. I fell in love with the people. And um, I just basically, like, started my travel blog after that. I think it was a couple years. I was living in San Francisco at the time, and I started my travel blog because I was traveling a lot for work. And then I decided, why not just, like, write about all my travels and see if anyone will read it. And so that's what I did. And then basically my family, friends read it. And then other people were like, oh, this actually is helping me. So it's kind of grown since then. I love that. Uh, I l- it's obviously a journey. And I just want to rewind a little bit to the what was the purpose behind the Ghana trip? So it was a service trip. And what we did there was we helped. We went to a tiny um village to help them build a kindergarten so we spent was I there like three weeks or something maybe a month it was a long time it felt like and we went with United Planet so University of Idaho actually does a bunch of these service trips every year Mm. so I have some other friends that have gotten to go to Togo which is the country right next to Ghana or other places around the world so it was a great opportunity just to kind of open my eyes outside of Idaho. Would you say that there was much of a culture shock or just a shift in culture that was really noticeable to you? Oh, total culture shock, but in the best way. Cause I've always really been open about other cultures and going to Ghana was just like, Oh my gosh, these people don't really have a lot of possessions, but they have the best time. And another thing I noticed were all of the village, all of the people in the village, they lived really close to their families. Whereas mm. here in the United States, I've noticed we let we separate. We all go to different cities or different countries even. Um, but there, their family unit is very close knit, and everyone's very happy. Sometimes I, yeah, I compare that. I'll look back and be like, I mean, I could have nothing and still have a great time like they do. Do you have any? So, having a great time is is 
admittedly a kind of vague sentence. So I was like, do you have anything that you remember that was like expressly a reflection of that culture? Yeah, I think when we were driving around, we were in a little bus and we started driving straight into oncoming traffic. And I remember thinking, <laughs> wow, they literally don't have any lines on the road, but they there's some sort of an ebb and flow of the way things are going like they seem to know what they're doing um they also dance and sing way more than I noticed we do here I mean at every dinner we'd have they'd someone would pull out the guitar or their little drums and sing songs and start dancing and yeah just the close-knit of the community that was a big culture thing for me that I noticed that like they'd all cook together and they'd clean together and they're always together which is so different than I'm used to especially living alone in my own apartment without my grandma there and my family (laughs) right there isn't that like communal feeling exactly when you're Mm -hmm. solo yeah and the food is completely different and just getting around is different what's the Um, food like in Ghana there's not a ton of options, but they eat a lot of plantains. They eat this thing called palm wine, which is hmm. really like a sour wine, but it gets you drunk. Um, <laughs> they they eat ba- this thing called banku, which is like a doughy type. I can't even explain it. Like a dough ball and you dip it in goat soup. So lots of interesting things. Yeah. Red red was another thing. You eat with fish and plantains and beans. And so the big difference between the Ghana trip, which was like your first trip out of the country, and then the 14th month trip was that on the second one, presumably the second one, there might have been more in between, you were by yourself that time. Was that the first time that you traveled alone? Kind of. Yeah. I had done a ton of work trips where they'd send me by myself to go do events and stuff. So I had done that. But yeah, no, I had never traveled solo before. That was my first big solo trip, which was kind of crazy. How much planning did you put into that? Oh, gosh, probably like two to three years worth. I was really, first of all, I had to save up the money. Mm. Like, that was my biggest thing. The reality of travel. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I saved up for like two years. Uh, I decided I want to do it, and then I saved up for about two years, and then just traveling, figuring out where I wanted to go and how people travel with like their phones and what do they do for laundry and where do they stay and all Mm -hmm. this random stuff. Um, So that took a while. The decision to go, what was that incited by anything or were you just like, you know what, I'm going to do this or, or was there some inspiration moment? That's a really good question. Thank you. I, I, it was almost just like an urge. It was like, if you don't do this, you're going to just regret it. Oh my like God. a voice in my head. So that, those thoughts <laughs> plague, plague me all the time. <laughs> oh, I think they plague a lot of people. <laughs> if you don't do this, you never will. Exactly. And it's like and I was, haunting. Yeah. And I'm single and no relationship, no kids, nothing. Mm. And I just was like, you know, what have I got to lose if I, if I do this and then I don't like it, I come back. Or if, you know, the, though I had those haunts of like, am I going to get a job and yeah. will anyone hire me and will I find an apartment and all of that. But cause you mentioned, uh, we've talked about this before where like when you, before you left, someone was telling you that like you wouldn't look hireable or something oh, like that. Yes. I had so many people say that, but I remember telling a coworker, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go do this. And, I'm not going to say who it is, but they were like, oh my gosh, how are you going to get a job when you come back? Like, no one's going to hire you. You're going to be out of the workforce for a year. You're going to forget everything that you've learned. I'm like, what? (laughs) 
and it freaked me out actually i was kind of like really will i will i learn all these skills that's a complete lie might i say (laughs) for anyone that wants to go do this you a year is not going to make you forget how to do certain things or forget how to send an email and you can (laughs) literally go back nothing and not a lot changes honestly all the tools that i still use for marketing people still use so that was not an issue okay you didn't forget how to like people you didn't forget how to talk to a human no because you're even though you're solo traveling you are constantly (laughs) with people i was kind of almost to the point of like i needed some alone time (laughs) but i needed some alone time on your alone yes got it but i needed i traveled so i did it different than some people might i did a lot of hostels i was 26 when i left I turned 27 on the road, got home when I was like 28, I think. That, that may not make sense, but that's kind of what I think happened. <laughs> um, and so I was a, a little bit older for the hostel crowd, but not to the point of like being too old necessarily. But hostels were why I was probably so socially tired is because mm. you're constantly around people. Although you can get um, private rooms. I chose to usually get group rooms so that I could meet people and like do things with them because that's you get the feeling that you were time traveling or at any places like like when I went from this is within America but when I went from LA to Montana every single time I go back to Montana I'm like is this still in the 80s like everything's still in the 80s oh yeah did you get any of that time travel yeah I think so I'm trying to think what countries though that really did that for me Uh, I think Egypt, which that was a recent trip. I just went last year. That was a time travel. Everything felt like it was in the 70s. Any examples? Just the cars, the buildings, the people, the people's clothes. Architecture is a know. big tell for those yeah, things. Yeah, it is. Um, Morocco kind of, but Morocco is just like a different beast. I mean, it's just kind of the Medina type style is really old school. That felt a little old. Um that yeah, that's pretty much it that I can think of in terms of time travel. Okay. Yeah. That was pretty good. So with Egypt were people wearing like big bell bottoms? No, it wasn't bell bottoms. <laughs> Although are those in style again? I don't know. Maybe. Um, no bell bottoms. Just like I think the shirts and the overall look. Maybe it's just because when they're standing next to the old car, you're like, oh, they look kind of like they're fitting in. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> it looks like it works, but in a different decade. Right, exactly. Yeah, nothing like Cuba, though. I've heard Cuba is like the cars are just amazing, but they're all old, and mm-hmm. it's, it really is like stepping back, which I haven't been there. But but you can now, exactly. so that's a plus. Exactly, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> back to the planning. You started about two years before you made the decision, mm-hmm. and then you started saving. Yep. Do you remember the steps after that? Um, after the saving, yes. So it was basically figuring out where exactly I wanted to go. So I kind of made a list of my top 10, like where do I seriously want to go that I would be sad if I didn't go. And then I kind of planned my trip around that. Mm. I was, and then I also was looking into doing a round the world trip or a um, just buy as you go trip. There's multiple ways you can do this. Some people recommend buying this round the world trip that the airlines give and you pay for it all in the beginning, but then you have to plan where you're going to go, but it, it's cheaper essentially for your, all your flights. So I chose not to do that because I wanted to be more flexible. So I chose to do the pay as you go and figure out where you want to go at, as you're there. And that ended up being like the best thing for me because I d- changed plans, met people, wanted to go with them certain places. And so that was 
that was ideal. So it, that was a big planning move. And then, yeah, the saving and then figuring out, I guess, languages. I was kind of worried about, like, I'm a solo traveler. I can't speak every language. I can't speak any language, actually, except for a tiny bit of Japanese. Pictionary? Yeah, Sorry to, exactly. Sorry to interrupt. No, I did. <laughs> I did. And so that was a thing and like how to, transportation in every country, researching that. But I kind of recommend not doing too much research on your, like trying not to plan your whole entire trip out. Right. Trying you don't want like the do hour like, by hour itinerary. Yeah, and try not to do, like book too many places in advance. Like I only booked the first three weeks of my trip and then I left the rest up to where I was. And I usually would book two days or three days in advance of where I was going to go. Um, so that was nice because I, I got to go to a castle in Slovenia because I met these people in, um, Budapest and it was just like, it all kind of just moves if you kind of are open to it. So that was nice. In Europe, like I clearly remember, um, meeting a band and they were like, yeah, come back to like this place and we're going to go like have an impromptu show. And I was like, yes, okay. Yes, we can do this. (laughs) Exactly. And when you're kind of open and when you're solo traveler too, I think people, are really more open to getting to know you and talking to you because you don't have that crutch. You're just like, hi, it's me. I'm just one person. It's less yeah. intimidating too. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, so did you plan for it to be 14 months or did you have a different time goal? No, I actually first started it with six months. And then <laughs> I just had this thought like, okay, if I keep six, if I do six months, then I'll have to keep my apartment here because I was the only on one on the lease. And I was like, you know, I don't want to have to deal with this apartment. So I just said, right before I left, I'm like, I'm doing a year. And so I decided on a year, and then I ended up going a little longer. My, my money was getting a little low, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I knew I'd have to move in with my parents. So th- I did that. Did you do any temporary work when, when you were out in the world? I did, yeah. I, I mainly did my blog. I tried to keep that up a tiny bit. I, honestly, though, I thought, oh, I'm going to have all this time to blog, and I didn't. So a lot of my places I've been, I've never blogged about. I just never did. Sorry, can you repeat the question? I just <laughs> totally blanked. Um, did Oh, did you do any temporary work when you were traveling? Because yeah. I've read about those things, but I can't say that I've honestly met someone who has worked abroad, like yeah. in, in that Mm, housekeeping sense or like picking cherries or whatever. Right. So I didn't actually do any of that because I had just left a pretty demanding job and I was like, I had saved up enough to get me through the year. So I didn't do a ton of work minus my blog, but I met so many people that did the woofing or worked in hostels to pay for their, their rent or not rent, but their nightly rate or, Worked at bars in a lot of like Southeast Asian countries. That's actually why I really want to learn how to bartend. Is like, oh, you don't even so need to learn. Here. You just go there and they'll teach you how. All which right, is great. All right then. Exactly. <laughs> That's so yeah, inspiring. <laughs> I know. I know a lot of people that also tutored while they were yeah. abroad or did some other like online digital nomad work, which is awesome. Like I kind of, that's why I got inspired to do my, start my own business when I came back was because I saw all these people doing these crazy jobs. I'm like, really? You own, you like sell bags online? What? Okay. And you're just traveling anywhere. That's cool. So, fair enough. <laughs> do you remember any early moments of like, that's a lesson learned and like, like poignant mm, lessons? Yes. 
<laughs> I think the first one, which I'll try to see if I can remember others, but the first one was, I'm a solo female traveler. I go out, I'm at a hostel in Budapest, and I went out partying. Mm. And completely, like, this is, like, I'm embarrassing to say out here, but I've totally blacked out. Like, literally, don't remember. And I woke up in this random, like, hostel in a bed that was not my hostel. Okay. So I woke up and I was like, okay, where am I? And I didn't have my purse, nothing. So I looked around. Luckily, I found my purse under my bed. And I walk out of the room, and I was in my hostel, but I was in a different room. But that was early in my trip, and that I never did that again. I was like, you know what, Katie? You can die from that. Like, that is the worst thing that could happen. So I really, really was careful about drinking around people and just like my quantity of drinking. I saw a lot of people get really drunk while I was, especially in these hostels, like you get anyone from like 18 years old to like 35, 40 years old, but some people like are treating it like college a little bit, but I just was like, wow, as a solo traveler where literally none of these people I know that well, I cannot be doing this. So that was kind of one of my big lessons in the beginning. Um, and then there's like smaller lessons. Like I always try to learn a few words in someone in the language before I go to the country, because sometimes if you don't even know how to say like, thank you or, or hello, it's kind of off putting to just go up to someone and say hello in English when you don't even know how to say it in their language. Um, I always try to figure out if there's an ATM at the hotel or at the airport before I like go out into the country because I always, always make sure that I have cash on me Mm. because I've been in situations where I don't have cash and then you have to pay somebody and you're just like, okay, I don't know what to do because I don't have cash. But yeah, those are just some like small things besides my other big lesson. (laughs) Uh, So I think now's a good time. I was going to save it for later, but I was like, so that whole like, you're going to die if you go travel by yourself as a woman stigma. Um, I think now's a good point to address that just because you already brought up like Mm -hmm. you did have that fearful moment. Yeah. But overarching, that's just like as a solo traveler. Right. I think as a female, there's certain things that you you're all I think women are just always cautious no matter what, like walking around in the dark. Like that was never a thing I did alone. I would never do that in any country. And I would do that in San Francisco when I was living there, and sometimes I do it here in Boise. You gotta have your your Wolverine keys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which you don't even carry keys when you're traveling, so you just have don't have them. For any of you male listeners, Wolverine keys is where you stick <laughs> you your go. keys in between your knuckles yeah. so that you can punch someone in the face if you have to, exactly. which every woman knows. Yep. Which is crazy that we have to know that, but we do. The pepper spray thing, a lot of women were big on that, but Mm. then you can't take that into a lot of countries. It's very illegal in some countries to even take it in. So I didn't do that because I didn't – some country. it's, like, very random which countries will allow it and which won't. Or if you get caught with it at TSA, I don't know. Yeah. Might happen. May have happened to me. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So, yeah, there's so – the night thing was big for me. I always would – try to get a group if it was at night I would try to get a group to come get din- go get dinner with me mm. or something like that but I actually felt pretty safe because people traveling kind of seemed to look out for each other which is nice and a lot of the men that I met were very protective and very friendly like 
out, when we'd go out, they just, you know, always kind of like watch out, which is very nice. And, but yeah, the safety thing, I think people get really freaked out, but there's certain precautions that you can do to kind of make it not happen as much. Did you ever feel like that protectiveness was overbearing or was it just helpful? No. And no, I don't think so. But I had sometimes when you'd have like creepy people come up and like try to hit on you and then people that are at your hostel would be like, come over here. Like, let's get this guy away or whatever. But it's kind of weird. Like you feel like you, like once you're in a hostel and you know this person for two days, you feel like you've known them for your whole life because you open up to them in ways that you don't, and you get to know them quickly in ways that you don't when you're in your normal, maybe life where you're a little more closed off. So I felt like I got to know these people really well. And some of them are still my good friends, which is awesome. That's terrific. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> I always hear great stories about hostels abroad. Like, you don't? Or you do? I, I always hear oh. great stories of hostels abroad. Not in country necessarily, but abroad. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I stayed in some that were amazing. Like, you just, you're like, how is this a hostel? It just felt like a spa hotel. Oh, Super wow. Super nice, nice ones. I usually would get like the four bedroom, four bed or six bed, the smaller versions, because some of them have like 18 beds and that's, that's intense, especially when people come home late partying. Yeah, that sounds, know. but always pack the earplugs. It's key. Um, <laughs> I don't know now if I could do the hostel life if I, but, but honestly, if I were to go travel somewhere solo, I probably would still just yeah. cause you have baked in friends. <laughs> it's like a chocolate chip cookie exactly. with baked in friends. Um, would you recommend the private room at hostels, or how did yeah, you? Yeah, I think did you so. Use those? I did those sometimes when I needed a break, and honestly, I would book hotels when or Airbnbs when I needed like a longer break. Mm. But yeah, those are great too, especially if you want a good night's sleep, but you still want to meet people. I felt like I met more people when I had a group room because you chat like while your people come in, you're like, "Oh, hi, where are you from?" That was always the first thing anyone ever asked. Where are you from? Where have you been traveling? What's your name? That's those are the. so do you think your country takes priority over like who you are as an individual sometimes when you're traveling your the country that you are from yeah because you said in that order like where are you from where are you traveling and then what's your name and I was just curious like do you think that's a reflection yeah probably I mean it kind of just like puts I guess like not to sound crazy but it kind of like puts people in a little you're like, oh, okay, you're European, or okay, you're from South America. Like, I can understand, like, you a little more, which maybe that doesn't make too much sense. But yeah, I think so. Adds, like, a predictability, just a little bit. Yeah, or you can sort of, sometimes it's a way to connect with someone, like, because I'd be like, where are you from? And they'd be like, Iceland, or, which is very random. (laughs) I'd be like, oh my gosh, I loved Iceland, you know, it just, okay, because I, especially because I'd been traveling a bunch, it was fun to be like connected like oh I was just there or okay mm-hmm. so it kind of creates a relevant point yeah and then where have you been traveling oh I was there too like yeah okay because there's a lot when you're traveling that long there's these little paths that people follow throughout Europe throughout like South America Asia there's all these little paths so you hit, meet the same people I ran into the same people all the time you think <laughs> that you wouldn't because you're the world is large but yeah. you do I run and in, ran into the same people all the time I like that it's yeah. kind of like a migration pattern. Yeah. Of. One of the guys I traveled with from, he's from Iceland and he's like my little brother's age and we had the best time. And he and I met in, oh my gosh, now I'm forgetting where we met. We met somewhere in Europe 
And then we ran into each other at a bar in Budapest. It was like the craziest thing ever. (laughs) Or did I meet him in Budapest? Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter. So we ended up traveling together all throughout the Middle East. And then we met up again in Thailand. But it's just like funny how you just run into people and all over the place. So he actually uh, saw your itinerary and was like... This is a pretty good list. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it was nice to have him, though, when I yeah. traveled through the Middle East to have a That must meal. be wild, though, to just, like, show up at a place and then look across the room and be like, what? It was like, I know you. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. It kind was of unsettling. Budapest, I met him. In Prague, I ran into him. That was the craziest thing. But it was great to travel with him. It was fun. Did you compare notes as you went? Of just, like, where to stay and stuff? Of, like, where did you stay? What did you think about oh, that totally. place? Oh, I went to this place. Yeah, so I about he this. told me yeah. to go to Slovakia, to the High Tatras. And I was like, where is that? And what is that? And I did, and it was, like, the best. So it was, it's so nice when you meet travelers that are kind of on your same budget, and they know they tell you what hostel to stay in. That's the best. Then you know the vibe. And- <laughs> kind of more in, like, a reflection. What does travel writing mean to you? Is it more about the advice? Is it more about, like, the facts of a place? Or is it something else? I would probably say that it's more about me sharing my experiences with other people. Like, I love writing about what I did like and didn't like so that other people can have like the same experience as I did especially if I loved a place or especially if I didn't like a place for example I like to give my hotel recommendations and say I really hated this hotel that we stayed in in Germany so you shouldn't stay here but I have a friend who went here I think it's more it's definitely more me sharing that's what it feels like I'm not I wouldn't say I'm the best writer in the world I'm not like a flowery travel blogger that kind of embellishes everything it's more of like this was really fun I went here do this this was my experience the end hopefully kind of giving people like a quick a dirty version of like how how they can have a good time in a place okay so it's kind of like I guess in my mind the way you describes it sounds a little bit like a scouting thing like you scout you go and check out a thing and then you're like here's some feedback on what the place was like and it's not necessarily feedback for like the companies they're on their own but Mm -hmm. um people who are wondering about this place is like well I went and checked it out and this Mm -hmm. is what I learned yeah would you agree you could yeah you could totally say like that that's exactly it I it's kind of like guides but usually the stuff I write about I've done so I'm trying not to really post a bunch about stuff that I've never done so I can't give the experience it's more like I've done this I liked it, and you should do it too, kind of thing. So building on that, how do you feel about the role of travel writing in regards to political opinion or like cultural comparison or or anything like that? Yeah, I think that's... So I love reading travel pieces about that, and I think that's so interesting. I just never have really been one to get too deep on my blog, which I kind of sometimes wish, but I do... I do talk about my opinions on like the cultural aspect and political aspects a lot and it, but it's mainly weirdly now that I'm thinking about it it's on my Instagram and when I'm speaking it or I'll talk on my stories versus writing about it. I don't like I said, I, yes I have a travel blog and I write, but I don't think I'm the best like writer. Here I am like marketing my own blog. Mine is more <laughs> Like I said, like the things that I enjoyed about a place and in terms of like really getting deep, probably not. I'm not like a storyteller necessarily, unless I'm speaking. I think mm. I'm better at that. 
What makes you think that you're not a storyteller? Well, maybe hmm. I am. I don't know. Hmm. <laughs> maybe I am a storyteller on my blog. I guess maybe I am. I'm trying. What I'm trying to say is, I think that my writing and my like speaking about things are different. If that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you may be more of a storyteller than you give yourself credit okay, for. Okay, that might be. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do respect that because um, something that I don't do at all is the, I guess, accumulation of information. And on your blog, you have several guides and reports that are just like, like you said, like way more straightforward, way more quick and dirty. And there's absolutely merit to that because it is still a story, but it's it's that directness. And I guess I presume that's how you want to continue presenting, you yeah, know, these experiences. I think so, yeah. Because yeah. I have friends that are travel bloggers that write about their full experience almost like you're reading their diary so you're seeing everything they thought and did and what's going on and I love blogs like that too and mine's just different I think because I also like blogs like mine that just tell me what where to go and what this person sure. liked and what they didn't like and I do mention cultural st- like things and I'll talk about things that women should wear and that they shouldn't wear in certain places and like not holding hands in Morocco exactly like there's so many little things that I do mention but yeah I don't go into the full story however while I was traveling I did do a little diary entries so people could kind of follow me and then that dropped off but I did do it for about a year so I have yeah. those like oh today I did this and this country was like this so I do have little aspects of that surrounding my blog but not every blog post what was the transition from going from that and then to blogging about or creating guides for Idaho I I created my first guide for Idaho when I was living in San Francisco because there's nothing out there on Idaho. I think Visit Idaho maybe it was posting, but there's nothing. So I posted this 12 best places to visit in Idaho and it blew up. Like it blew up. It made my blog just, I had so many people on it. It was awesome. And then obviously people started figuring out about Idaho and stuff, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you can blame me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but basically, yeah, I think I kind of transitioned I always was writing about guide. I always did the kind of guide thing, like this, this, and this. These are my favorite things to do in San Francisco, or this is what I love to do in Austin, Texas when I was there for work, or the best ways to get the most out of your work travel because I was working a lot and then tacking on weekends. And then I sort of transitioned into Idaho because I was like, oh, this one post did so well, so I'm going to start creating more content even though I don't live there. And then I went and traveled and I didn't write anything for Idaho for a really long time, then moved back here, and now I am I write a lot of stuff about Idaho now because I live here. And um, it's fun for me to help people have like better times, find out what new restaurants are hot, best hikes to go on. Um, I try to be really conscientious about our hot springs and the hikes and trying not to promote it too much, but also trying to tell people like, Hey, you really need to pack out and be careful with our surround yeah. our wilderness and that kind of stuff. Cause I know people get mad at me when I promote anything Idaho. So, Yay. <laughs> um, no, just take all your trash out there. Yeah, um, exactly. It's that I, pros cons there for sure of like the be responsible for when you do go out and enjoy the nature. And I guess that's a positive thing of being protective about those things. But. Yeah. And I worked with Visit Idaho for a few blog posts and they have very strict guidelines on what right. they can promote and what they can't. So that's good too. My boyfriend's always like, do not 
share about our hot springs. And I actually <laughs> haven't done a blog post on my own blog about hot springs, so I haven't done that, and I probably shouldn't. How do you feel about that? Like, there's, I feel weird about it a little bit because I, I don't want to be the person who's making all these hot springs trashy and stuff. But I also, on the other hand, I'm the type of traveler who likes to find the hidden gems places. And I like to travel somewhere like I am a local. So I'm very torn. It's very hard because I am an Idahoan, but I'm also a traveler. So I, I want people that come here to be able to experience the things that I love about our state. Mm-hmm. But I also understand, like, it can get ruined if too many people come. I still think we don't have as much tourism as, like, for example, Iceland. I think they are a tiny country, but they had so much tourism. And, yes, their hot springs are getting overcrowded because mm. people are promoting them a lot. Um, it could happen here. Now that I'm talking about hot springs so much, I'm sure people will start researching hot Just springs. Just Google it. Yeah. It won't be my blog, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, with that, uh, what, you know, as, um, you continue growing as a travel blogger and, and continue, um, with running your own business, basically, uh, what are some challenges that you see in the future that you're kind of like aware of and, and want to work through? Yeah. Well, the time has changed for travel (laughs) bloggers. Are we talking about COVID right now? (laughs) I'd rather not, but we can acknowledge that that's a big thing this week. I don't know what to say about the future without saying anything about it because okay. my blog <laughs> my blog had fifteen hundred people come a day and now there's a hundred. So people are wow. not researching for travel. So you can cut this out if it's you want. A hard line on just I was actually oh. okay, you know what? So, yes, we will go into this because I was thinking about that and it is I didn't want to bring it up because it's it's a bummer. Um, yeah, I know. But that is something that has made people very travel travel weary I guess yeah um totally and that's a really big figure yeah and you know a lot of travel bloggers well obviously we know this like it's depressing the travel industry is just like getting massively hit all industries but travel bloggers especially right now just because they're not getting any traffic on their site I mean no one's researching trips so that's something that big that I noticed for the future like who knows how long this is going to last and people probably won't be trial researching trips. I'm sure in the future it'll go up. So I'm not too worried about that, but for people whose sole income comes from that, that's stressful. Um, <coughs> for me, and then she coughs and then I cough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no, I have okay. it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but basically, yeah, I, that's the only thing I can think about like right now is, just a huge drop in traffic. So starting to refocus and think about other things that I can write about that aren't travel related because I do work from home. So writing about working from home and all the great books I've been reading lately and podcasts and your Instagram um, is full of book recommendations. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I've been reading so much lately, but yeah, there is a big change in the future. I think of travel because I don't know if after this things are going to change completely or how stuff's going to happen, but I definitely, yeah, there's definitely change in the travel industry for sure. And my blog, I guess, because that's a really good point just overall. Um, how, as compared to like travel magazines and what travel writing has been in the past couple of decades, what do you think it will look like in the future? Or what do you think it's becoming? It's definitely moving away from, 
actual physical blogs. I don't think people are going online and reading blogs as much. They're more so on social media, wanting snippets of things. I think it's... Like highlight. Yeah, it's moving towards video. People love the videos and the travel um, YouTube stuff. Podcasts are big. Um, I think it's really nice a travel podcast yeah exactly okay. wow Ooh, interesting good to think about <laughs> um but i think it's people are having more access to certain to traveling too so that's a big thing i've noticed a lot of people can afford these flights now because flights are sort of getting cheaper even though they pack you in like sardines still but <laughs> there are cheaper options to go to europe like i found my flight to iceland for 200 200 us dollars that was in 2016 but it was crazy so, yeah. I want to ask you how so badly, but I'm like, what? okay, you don't have to share if you don't want to ruin some sort of mystery secret, but was it just like great timing or? Oh, to find the flight? Yeah. I use Skyscanner. I'm okay. obsessed. Basically, what you can do is put in your location and then put in it everywhere in the world. Wow. And so that's what I did. Because I was going to maybe start in South America, but then I saw, oh, Iceland. That's really random country, and it's $200, so I'm going to do that. So I booked it. I had a few dirty martinis at happy hour, and I booked it. But basically, um, I use Skyscanner all the time for my flights, especially when you're flexible and you're traveling for a long time. Yeah. I was in Berlin, and I was freezing. It was winter. And so I was like, I need to go somewhere tomorrow that's not freezing. And so I went on to Skyscanner. I typed in Berlin to anywhere. Straight up living the dream of wintertime people of like, you know what? No. (laughs) And like getting out. Yeah. And I went to Greece for 30 bucks, 30 euros. So that's my favorite. I love Skyscanner. This may be the biggest diamond I've I've been able to share on this podcast is to use the Skyscanner. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited to check this out now. (laughs) I have one YouTube video. They should sponsor us. And I made it on that. (laughs) Yeah, they should. I made my one YouTube video. I think I have one. (laughs) <laughs> and it's on how to use how I use Skyscanner. So, if you wanna, hey, what's your it. YouTube channel? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I think it's Traveling Spud, and I okay. honestly haven't posted anything on there in forever. But I should start putting more on. Is YouTube still alive? Is it gonna make it? Yes. I don't know. <laughs> I think YouTube is big time right now. I don't oh. know why. I think the video scene with TikTok and all that. Maybe oh, it's shorter yeah. videos that are gonna be the hot thing, but. My friends and I just got on Marco Polo, which I don't know if you've heard about that, but no. it's like you send video ch- videos to each other, but they save so that you can go back and see what everyone's talking about. You can have as many people as you want in the video or in the chat. It's crazy. There's so many tools now. <laughs> We're definitely hitting the point where like I personally feel like the tide is running away from me and I'm like... I'm not sure if I want to keep paddling after I it. I know. There's so many things, especially mm-hmm. in my like business too now. Yeah. It's like all these tools to stay organized and people are using all these things. And I'm like, I don't want to use your new tool. I want to use my <laughs> tools. I just want the tool that I know to work better. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh. Okay. So that was a uh, cool, good tangent. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with being as specific as you can, mm-hmm. what is your Favorite thing that you have experienced while traveling? Oh my gosh. Specific. That's so hard. I think it would be, this is so cliche, but I think it would be the people. Like, that's the reason why I wanted to travel. So was there a specific, well, you kind of already talked about this, the Iceland 
the guy from Iceland. Yeah. And um, just the everyone I met. Oh my gosh. Yes. I did a coding camp in Bali and I met great people there. And what was that like? That was so crazy and cool. And why did you sign up for <laughs> so a coding I camp in Bali? I randomly found out about it while I was traveling and I just was like, this sounds cool. I should learn how to code. Well, like learn a skill. <laughs> Okay. So it was a yoga, coding. You're staying in this awesome villa. I'm sorry. Yoga Bali. and coding. It was awesome. Just the zen of uh, putting that brake line in. Yes. It was so cool. <laughs> and But, you know, I didn't end up being a coder, but I definitely learned a lot. So now, like, I built my own website and stuff like that. And I can definitely understand backends of websites now, but I'm not a coder. Um, but that was so cool. And I met... Some great people. One of my friends, she's actually a blogger. She's Her blog is Alex in Wonderland. I went with her to Egypt and helped her run her Egyptian retreat. So that's why I was in Egypt. And then I'm going to her next retreat, hopefully. It's still happening. In September to Lebanon. But I met her and we are great friends. And I went with Me- to Mexico with her. And then I have met a whole bunch of other friends. Like I can't, a lot of Americans, a lot of Europeans, a lot of... Australians and people from literally everywhere. So cool. Yeah, that was probably my most, yeah, my favorite. All right. So I'm going to wrap this up. I want to say, what what's your Instagram page? Again? Traveling Spud, at Traveling Spud, one L in the traveling. And my website is www.travelingspud.com. Thank you for adding that. Yeah. Uh, I want to give special thanks to Audio Lab for helping me produce this. And um, thank you for listening. Travel safe. <laughs>